0: Beginning, the beginning, the
1: beginning, the beginning, the beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. Really cool to
2: have, be back recording. Josh, how's it going? It's going good, Sean. I always love doing this stuff. It's uh, it's funny when I first started you know, doing the podcast, I didn't know how much I would love it. And I just love meeting new people, hearing their journeys and asking questions. It's not something I can do. If I go to a party or something like people don't want to talk about death, you know, (laughs) they want to get drunk. So this is, uh, (laughs) they want to run from their emotions. Here we actually, you know, people are open enough to talk about their emotions, which I just, you know, I'm absolutely honored to be a part of their journey and for them to come on and share and be honest with their struggles in life and how they've come to terms with some of the things in their own life. So I'm super excited for this episode and it's unique in many ways. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Deep
1: conversations are the best conversations, and we get to have a lot of those here, so uh, we're looking forward to this one. Uh, On today's episode, we have Molly Schultz. She is a stay-at-home mom of five kids all under the age of six. She grew up in Michigan, thinking the only kids uh, she would have would be the ones she would adopt from Africa with her husband, Tim. Um, So they have actually now four biological daughters, including a set of identical twins. Molly's dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just a few months after her twins were born in 2015. Uh, before he passed away in 2016, he signed over custody of his son, uh, which is Molly's half-brother, Easton, to her and uh, her husband. A year after he passed away, Molly and Tim legally adopted him. Molly recently started a block this summer to document the grief journey she walks through with her kids, as well as the everyday life of her young family. Um, so we're excited to talk to her. You can follow her along with, uh, sorry. You can follow her at which um, her Instagram, which is at Tried and true Mama on Instagram and Facebook, and her website www. Uh, Molly, welcome.
0: Hi guys, I'm super excited to talk to you today.
1: Happy to have you on. Really cool name, actually. I like that. Tried and True Mama.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I picked it because just everything that I've gone through in the last couple years. And um just trying to stay true to who I am and to who I am as a mom and a wife and all of that. So I think the name is perfect for me.
2: Is it like I don't have any children, but uh, five kids <laughs> seems like a lot. <laughs> is it as difficult in my mind? Like, I'm picturing right now. Um, do you get a lot of sleep or alone time?
0: Um, I would say that it's it's hard and easy in different ways it's very hard just the technicalities of it and getting kids out of the door every day and all of that stuff but um it's actually a lot easier to have a lot of children because they all have a playmate and so they're always someone there's always someone to play with and i think that's really cool because it switches every day even multiple times a day so um in that way i love having a lot of children, because I don't have to entertain them as much anymore, which is awesome. So,
1: I I hear you. You're like the coach. You have a starting five basketball team, <laughs> you know, and and you just you know move them around, facilitate, <laughs> facilitate the snacks and the games, and then you know they they do it themselves.
2: <laughs>
0: that's oh, that's so funny, but it's so true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so now we know, like, if you're gonna have kids, have many, right? That's the. Uh, and does it differ because you have four uh, girls, so the girls would really play with. Each other does Easton uh, play with all the girls
0: so the twins I would say are the closest and that they always usually just play together um but then the older three just always rotate every day so it's he gets I mean he has played with dresses and nail polish I mean the poor kid but um but they love playing with his cars and stuff too so it's a really good balance so-
1: must be uh, amazing to cuz i'm thinking you know you get to see all these personalities all these uh you know interests and all these motiv- you know just unique individuals develop and um man that's amazing they they must be like yeah you know, do you have are they that different like do you, are you starting to see these different personalities emerge
0: yeah so my oldest is very much um a nurturing like mama bear doesn't want anybody to get hurt and then my second daughter is a very strong-willed child and um she we just battle it out sometimes but she just knows what she wants and she's not gonna you know stray from that and then easton is very cuddly and snuggly and he's a very loving child and then it's funny because my twins are identical and they are complete opposite so one of them is kind of like my second daughter, very strong willed and, you know, that way. And then the other one is just very loving and snuggly. And I don't know, it's just so weird, but it's so cool at the same time.
2: Wow, it's so interesting. What an interesting life that you are living. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever gonna have children. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's kind of cool when people uh, have so many and can see that like their growth. Because I'm guessing that facilitates mm-hmm. a lot of growth in you, just by watching them and realizing you, you used to be a kid once, right? And all the stuff you would have put your parents through.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. I think about it every day, and I'm like, "Yep, this is this is what I get for doing this to my mom one day and stuff like that." So it's okay. funny, but.
2: <laughs> so I, I want to actually go back, go to your your story with um, the the big story that with your dad dying and and how you. Um, was able, you are able to illegally adopt uh, Easton. So can you talk a little bit about your relationship with your dad prior to that? And then maybe speak upon maybe why he was Easton's, your half brother. So I'm guessing him and your mom must have split up sometime along. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. So my, my father and I were extremely close. Um, he was one of my best friends growing up. He started the lacrosse team at my high school. Uh, he just—he was just one of those people that would do anything for anyone, but especially his children. And so we were just very close. And I had a really normal childhood. We went on vacations, all that kind of stuff. And when I went to college, my first year, my parents sat us down at Christmas time and said that they were getting a divorce. And it wasn't a huge surprise to any of us. And so that's just kind of how, what happened with that. And I stayed with my dad, I lived with my dad and I went to different colleges over the next couple of years. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And then I left one day and I was like, I'm gonna go live in Boise, Idaho and go to Boise State University. And my family was like, okay. And so my dad drove me across the country and set me up in my little apartment. And that's where I met my husband. And we got pregnant very shortly after that. And so we started to have our family. And then my dad had called me and said that he was having a child with a woman that he had been with. And it was just the weirdest conversation. And I don't know, I just remember being like, what is happening? Like, this doesn't happen to people like me and families like mine, you know, like this is insanity. And but I got over it because I just love children. And I was just like, you know, whatever, like, if that's what he wants to do, then that's what he's going to do. And so
2: how old was he when he had had the child?
0: Um, he was he died when he was 50. So he was 48, 48.
1: It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But
0: Abraham
2: was like 100 and something, right? (laughs) But anyways, it's it's, uh, it's very interesting. And it's weird because you were pregnant at the time, I'm guessing, that he was telling you, Mm -hmm. yeah, he was going to be having a son. So what's that like? You're both pregnant at the same time or you're both having a child around the same time.
0: It was weird because we already had our oldest daughter. So I was pregnant with my second when he was pregnant. With his, and he would call me and ask for advice on stuff and <laughs> like what to buy and what swings were, yeah, and, you know, reverse like that kind of stuff. parenting, crazy. But yeah, it was so strange. It was so strange, yeah. but it kind of gave us another thing to bond over, which was really cool at the same time. But yeah, it was yeah. definitely strange.
1: Did you or did your so, father share any like apprehensions or nervousness uh with you about it? No,
0: he didn't. He didn't, he didn't, um, reach out and talk about any of that. I think he was just kind of one of those people that whatever is thrown your way, you kind of just take it and you figure it out kind of people. So, well,
1: that's, that's an amazing thing too, right? Experiencing that type of emotions and happiness, you know, you both had very, you know, healthy babies.
2: It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're only three months apart, which is crazy. (laughs)
2: wow and so were you there for his birth uh eastern's birth
0: i was not we were living in washington at that time so i um was with my husband and our children
1: mm. so i it,
0: wasn't in michigan
1: yeah i would imagine traveling would be a little bit um too much maybe at that time as well
2: for three months apart
0: yes yes
2: so when uh so after he it was, it was born um did your dad uh show any signs of anxiety then? Like was he calling you like to ask like what do I do or like I know he had practiced with you guys but like it's been such a long time. Was he did you see any of that like nervousness after the fact?
0: Um not not that I remember, but I remember when my second daughter was born and he came out to visit us and he Was holding my daughter, and he was just like, Wow, she's so small. Like, you know, Easton was so big, and you know, we didn't have a little tiny baby like this. And, um, and he was just super natural, you know, with with my children. And he was like the coolest grandpa to them. And he's just, I don't know, he was such a good dad, and he was such a great grandpa, too. Wow,
2: it's amazing to hear. And it's amazing you you had such a beautiful relationship together because not everyone gets a chance to have that kind of relationship with their father. So, That's amazing. So what happened from there to him finding out that he has cancer?
0: So we then got pregnant with the twins. We had our children very close together, which I don't think we really planned very well. Um, (laughs) So when our twins were born, our oldest was not yet three. And then our middle was only 16 months. So our children were very young when our twins were born. And then my dad came out to visit us with Easton and his wife and we had a really great vacation and you know all of that stuff and then they went back home and a couple months later I found out that he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and I just remember being like this doesn't happen to people like me you know like this is crazy and um, so I got on a plane actually with all four of my children and my cousin came with me and we flew to Michigan, and I stayed there for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's for two months. My husband only came a couple times because he had to work. So I, you know, took all of his babies away from him, and I spent the last couple months with him. And so after he, after that whole trip, we flew home, and then a couple. It was we flew home New Year's Day. So then March second, he turned fifty. And then March 3rd, I got a phone call that his wife had overdosed on heroin. And that was a huge family shock and a huge family secret. Like, you know, this wasn't talked about. None of us knew that this was a problem. And it was just like, my dad was with somebody like this. And, you know, it just was hard for me because he was such a normal, stable, huge part of my life that it was just like, what? You know, it was just insane and so i got on a plane again with my seven month old twins by myself and i flew with them to michigan and i left my other two children at home and i knew that i was going to be there until he passed away so i didn't know how long that was going to be um but i just kind of put faith up there and and all of that and so when when i got there it was okay what's going to happen with easton like who's going to take easton and so We had a huge family meeting about who was going to have Easton and it was determined that we were the best case scenario for him. And so we went to the lawyer's office and we signed all of the paperwork and that was on a Friday. So we had to wait until Monday for the judge to see it. And so over that weekend, my dad started to deteriorate and I was just praying like, please sign this paperwork on Monday, please sign it. Because if she didn't sign it, we would have a court date weeks later. And I was like, I can't stay here for much longer than this because I have other children at home. And so she signed it. It was March 14th that it was signed and he passed away the very next morning. So.
2: Wow. There's a lot in that. (laughs) that I know. uh, Yeah. I just skipped over. Um, But I want to go back to first um, sitting with your father, knowing that uh, he was dying. Did did you have any like conversations with them that were like new, you know? Um I know some people will like share like if they're dying they'll share like secrets or you know just like they they go to this heart space where they're just more honest and unique and they even like will talk about spiritual experiences that they're having. Um so were there any of those conversations prior to the mom dying?
0: Um no, there was not. And it's funny because my dad was always like a very open book kind of person. But after he was diagnosed, he just kind of shut off and became one of those people that was just listening and observing. And that's what I remember about that whole thing. But he never said anything about the the spiritual, like what he believed or what, um, if there were any secrets and stuff, uh, he never did any of that.
2: Wow. And so what was it like for you just to being sitting with someone that's dying? Um, Because I know that can be a very difficult part, knowing that, you know, someone you love is, you know, is passing away in front of your eyes and you only have so much time.
0: That was so surreal for me because I just remember thinking, this isn't happening. Like, this really can't be my life. Like, this just can't be happening to me. And, but one of the things that I did that I'm extremely thankful for now is, I took a video of him and I asked him questions and it's probably like 20 minutes long. And it's just me saying, Hey, where did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your favorite memories from your childhood. Tell me about my childhood and you know, why are you proud of me and all of that kind of stuff. It's just a 20 minute long video and it's something I cherish so much now because it's him talking and it's his voice and, and it's a very interesting thing that I did
2: yeah that's very interesting and you know i'm glad you did it did you so were there any responses that you're like oh no way like that's how i was as a child or you know this is why you're proud of me like was there anything that you didn't know that like brought tears to you
0: not really i think what i asked him um what his favorite part about our childhood was and i was expecting him to say uh you know going to your gymnastics meets and your ice skating stuff and like that kind of stuff but he said you know, my favorite part of childhood was watching you guys play in the pool on vacation and, you know, playing in the pool with you. And, and I, you know, like, it was one of those things that you don't really remember. But then when it's said, you're like, oh, yeah, we did do that. Like, that's really cool. So that was cool.
2: Yeah, it's interesting what people like what their most memorable moments are, you know, like, I'm guessing mm-hmm. you're seeing that now even with your own children like the things that you find, you know, so beautiful, you know, your husband will find other things more beautiful and just like their personality. So that's uh, it's amazing that he brought back that memory to you and and now you realize how more monumental that was for him than it was for you.
0: Right, right. I know the way you say that. It's so true. It's so it's so true.
2: That's
1: so interesting. I I had a really warm feeling when you were talking about that that video and and you, you know, you having a little interview with your father because it just it just makes me you know picture that even that pool moment where it's simple things i think i think kids are really amazing where they can have fun doing anything almost Mm -hmm. especially simple things and i think when you see that joy i think i would imagine as a parent you can't help but like smiling at those moments and that's maybe why they stick around and not the you know crazy all the other stuff sometimes you know so that that's so cool i could i could see even in my own like life you know i remember what's happy about my childhood is is the little things you know playing in the backyard with my brother with the little
2: water guns and stuff you know it's awesome
0: right yeah it is cool
2: and so like the next part of that story that you, you told was this overdose of heroin and was your dad shocked that she was using
0: So this is where I wish I would have asked more questions because I I (laughs) I
2: know,
0: I know. I didn't ask these because when I saw him in the hospital, he was so sick. I was just like, Mm -hmm. I don't want the, this to be our last conversation about, you know, heroin. I don't want to talk about this whole situation. And so I don't know. I know that he knew before this, but I don't know how long he was aware of it because after he died i got easton's medical records and i found out that easton was born addicted to heroin and so that was a huge shock and i was so angry with him for months over that and so i don't know if he knew when he first met her or if he found out when she was pregnant or if he was blindsided at birth like those are questions that i don't have the answer to and those are what i would want very much so
2: wow so who you're angry you're angry at your dad um, for like being with that woman like that or just angry that you didn't know when you adopted when you're planning to adopt Ethan
0: at first I was angry with him for being with somebody like that and then I was angry with her for allowing that to happen and then I you know kind of got over that I forgave them for that but now I think I'm just angry or I was angry because he didn't tell me and like I felt like if I was going to take Easton on him. I feel like that's a very important thing to mention, you know, Hey, you're going to raise this child by the way, he was born addicted. There may be some lingering issues from that. Like, you know, I wish that he would have said that so that I wasn't so blindsided by it later.
2: Well, yeah, it's uh you know, we want all the information and we also, you know, like we don't like secrets, you know, like there's something about secrets that you're like, Oh, I thought, you know, even as you know, you guys are so close, there's still some stuff that he wasn't sharing, you know? Mm-hmm. And probably to protect you. Right. <laughs> you want like make make you feel that his life was really great. So your life could be also so great. And I think that's, you know, parents just tend to sacrifice and hold on to truth of their suffering. So their their children can feel that everything's like good so they they can sort of live a happy, happier life than like rather than because it seems like you would worry about your father if he was in that relationship. And he he did, you know, like you'd be the type that I would think they'd be like, Dad, what's going on? You know, like we got to talk about
0: this. (laughs) Totally. Totally. It would be like that for sure. For sure.
2: And so was there a funeral for her? Like, did he get to go? Did you go? Or was it just like, because it happened so quickly, no it just like, like what happened with her body? And then, yeah.
0: So she did have a funeral and we went to it. My dad attended it as well. Um, Easton was there. I was there with my older brother and my younger sister. And so we did attend that. And then um, after that, we did my dad's, like I, the time between my dad's wife passed away and he passed away is 12 days. So it was only 12 days between the two deaths.
2: That, that's crazy. Like when you think, I think, you know, there are a lot of people that have these like unexpected deaths that happen very close to each other. And how did you process that going to two funerals and then thinking about raising another child on top of it all?
0: It was, you know, I just keep saying it was so surreal because it was, you know, I just couldn't believe that this was my life. And I think that a lot of it I've blocked out now um, because it was just, I was just trying to survive and I was just trying to get through it and Even when my dad was sick and, you know, watching him die slowly, I think I've blocked a lot of it out because I just didn't, I couldn't handle it at that time in my life. And maybe down the road, I'll revisit it or something. But I think that I was just trying to survive. So I just don't remember a lot of it. And I don't remember, you know, how I felt at his wife's funeral and all of that. It's just very much kind of a clean slate for me in a way
1: yeah uh, just looking back at it there's so much going on you know just so much so many emotions to process and and just uh all very complicated a lot of variables i would imagine that you know you're you're just trying to kind of push through make it through you know take care of these children you know take care of all the processes the funeral process everything that goes on with all that you know the lawyers and whatnot and then I can't even just, you know, just all that going on. So yeah. And then did you, after that, did you find that it got a lot easier after that, maybe six months later, a year later, and now I can kind of look at some of these other things that are going on. Maybe I can make more sense of it.
0: Yeah. I think now that my twins, they just turned three yesterday. So I feel like I am finally in the clear zone now. (laughs) Um, I'm not constantly bombarded with, you know, little babies and stuff, but so now I I started my blog and I started writing about it and that has been so therapeutic for me um, and just, you know, what it's like to watch somebody you love die of cancer and what, you know, I tell my children about heaven and stuff like that. And um, so that all has helped a lot with this whole grieving process. And, you know, at my dad's funeral, I didn't cry. And people have asked me like, why didn't you cry at your dad's funeral? And I think I was just in that moment, which it almost felt like, okay, now that this is over, like now I can move forward with, you know, with Easton and getting back to my children and stuff. So it was almost a relief, like, okay, I don't have to watch this man struggle anymore. Like it was releasing in a way. And, you know, my husband bawled his eyes out at my dad's funeral. It's like one of the first times I've ever seen him cry. And but I was just like, I needed to get back to my children. I needed to get through this, like, okay, let's go, let's go, you know. And in a way that's kind of heartless, but that's just how I processed it. And that's how I got through it.
2: Well, you, as you are saying, it is a survival technique to sort of suppress sort of those emotions and avoid it to take care of the people that you need to take care of. You said like your children, like it's gotta be so difficult grieving when you have children at such a young age, just because they're, they're such needy, right? They're so in, in need of you. And you almost yeah. don't want, you almost, it almost feels like, you know, you're, you're selfish by taking time to grieve when they're, you know, asking for you. So that's very interesting. And it's interesting you remember that you didn't, like all the things you remember, you remember you didn't cry. Cause you know, like that's, I think something that's very significant, I think in your life, did you feel like looking back on that do you feel did you ever do you did you cry after that or have you have you shed a tear from that moment uh on yet
0: Yeah and I think the day that he died I cried so hard that day that I think it was just like all of my emotions were released that day that it was kind of freeing and so from that point forward it was like okay you know, he's not suffering anymore. I don't need to be sad that he's gone because if he was still here, he'd still be suffering. And so for me, it was looking at that technicality in that way. And, and yeah, I mean, I've had moments, you know, I was at the grocery store a couple of weeks ago and a grandpa was walking with his daughter and they were doing little dance moves. Like he was spinning her in the aisle, the middle of the aisle. And I had to walk out of the grocery store and I just lost it because, I tell people it's not for me, it's not the big things. It's not the birthdays or the holidays. It's those little moments that I'm like, Oh, I, my kids don't get to do that. And, you know, you just lose it. And so it's, yeah, yeah. I've lost it quite a few times over little things that people would probably be like, why did that trigger you? So.
1: Yeah. Well, just hearing this, you know, there's a lot of strength in in, in the journey you've gone through so far. Like I'm, I'm listening to, you know, why you talk about that and, you know, you got. Your kids to take care of your father's child, your child now you get to take care of, and it's complicated you, you know but but you know you did the best you could you 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 know you you showed thats that stability that kids need you know especially in times like that and and you did what you needed to do to move past that, so a lot of courage and strength uh on your part for
0: sure, thank you. I appreciate that.
2: And I love the honesty of just you know telling us about what triggers you uh, throughout the day. And I think it normalizes the experience for others who think, you know, after a couple of months, you're not supposed to have these triggers, but no, like, you know, I still get triggers from my father who who died. So it's nice that you can share that and say, yeah, I cried in a grocery store, you know, like, <laughs> you know right, that's what, right. and it's honest and it's true. And you know, did you, did you just leave right away? Or did you pay for your groceries?
0: No, I, uh, it's crazy. But <laughs> you hit
1: into
2: a... the onions and started cutting
1: some of them. You know, just. <laughs> I up. just
0: left my cart. I left my cart oh. there, and I just walked out. And I came back, and like I don't know, half hour later, and they were putting all of my items back, and I was like, <laughs> I can take that for me.
1: <laughs> Ma'am, do you still want these steaks? <laughs>
0: That's
2: yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you went back and said like you, you just took the time you needed um, to regroup and you went back. I think that's nice. And I think uh, a lot of people can take something from that is that when you when you do cry and you do have these triggers is to give yourself the space to feel them um, and to not suppress them. Um, but once you give yourself time, it'll like it'll work through, you know, like there's I think your body knows what it needs, in the sense of working through your emotions. And then it'd say, OK, now go back and then you go back. I think kids are really good with that. And I think adults, you know, like this is the stuff we have to practice a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's, and it takes a while. I, you know, if that would have happened right after he died, I probably wouldn't have gone back. But through time, I think time does heal in a way. And so um, you learn how to deal with it a little bit better, I think, and process it a little bit faster and stuff like that.
2: Well, yeah, since you, uh, you were there when your so your your father sort of died, what was his last words to you?
0: So I went into the room after the lawyer called me and told me that the judge had signed the paperwork. I went in there and I said, hey, dad, I just want to let you know that Easton's mine. It's a done deal. The judge signed the paperwork. So he's safe. Everything's okay. And he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, oh, that makes me so happy. I love you so much. And then that was the last thing he said to anybody. This is last words.
2: That's so cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's so an amazing
2: I, memory to hold, you know, to really have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, people say people hang on for things to, you know, say goodbye to certain people and stuff. But I know that he was holding on to make sure that Easton was taken care of before he let go himself.
1: You know, none of us here take that very lightly. That's such a big thing. You know, it, again, special. A lot of people don't get the opportunity. To share last words with their, you know, dying loved ones, but you know, you got that opportunity, and it's such a positive, beautiful th- sentiment. Really, like you know, you opened his eyes up, and then he said, you know, I love you. That, and and he's happy, he's relieved. Okay, his son is going where he wanted his son to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was a very beautiful moment, very beautiful.
2: And you know, and the other thing I just want uh, just to sort of touch on is. Um, you said that you almost had a relief that he died because he was suffering so much. Did you ever have guilt? I know a lot of people say they have guilt after if they have relief, uh, if someone's suffering, did that ever creep in uh, to your mind?
0: It did. And it has um, randomly at will here and there, like, you know, you weren't sad that he was gone. And it's like, no, I, I was sad, but I couldn't do this you know, situation any longer. I couldn't experience this much pain and horror for any longer. And so there are moments where I do feel really bad that, you know, I didn't cry at his funeral and all of that stuff. But I think that everybody is entitled to grieve in their own way. And that's just how I've done it. And and it's just worked for me in a weird way.
2: And so I guess some of your process must be to forgive, right? To forgive yourself?
0: Yeah. And so I think I just, you know, tell myself that you're not wrong. The way that you handled it is not wrong. You have to remember that you did the best that you could. And you have to remember that you had five very young children that needed your attention. And it's okay that they needed your attention more and that in those moments and stuff, and you know, you, you had your proper goodbye, you have that video and you've done you did everything that you could and it was good enough. So that's just what I tell myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I was just thinking about how your blog, you know, moving on now to talk about how your blog can be of value to people who share similarities with you, um, who can share the stories are my, you know, maybe they're, you know, parents. Maybe they, they've, you know, seen their parents go through something as, as traumatic as pancreatic cancer, and and their parents are gone and all that. Um. So, what triggered the blog? I mean, you know, you obviously your father's passing, but you've always been inclined to write, and and you just kind of let into that.
0: So I've written a children's book already, but I haven't had it published because I'm a little too scared to get rejected at this point in my life but you know in the next couple months or years or whatever you know hopefully I'll pursue that more but you know people who hear our story always say you need to write a book like you need to this is crazy this is the craziest story and um and I didn't want to tackle a book so I was like I'll start a blog and then you know if if a book happens down the road then I'll have all of these entries already so it won't be too hard to make a book out of it and and so also, you know, I have twins and I have five children. Our family is not, you know, the normal, typical family. And so I think that that alone is interesting. But then you throw in Easton's story and my story. And I think it's just, it's really cool to to reach out to people who have gone in similar circumstances. And I don't know, I like I like people a lot and I like connecting with, with people and moms and other kids and so i just think that starting the blog was just a way for me to reach out to numerous people and you know find more friends basically
1: <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean i would imagine going through going through the things you've gone through you know it's helpful to hear stories and and talk to people who have shared similar things and do you get something out of it now even more so when you can, you are able to help someone and someone comes to you? Because you probably felt like that sometimes alone and like, you know, ah, I'm dealing with this. I've got no one I could turn to. But now someone can say, hey, I have kids too and you have kids and we've gone through this and this is how I felt. And you can share that feeling and then bond even more with that person. Does that happen often?
0: So there's one particular person that has had kids and her mother is dying right now and she reached out after reading one of my articles and you know said you have any advice like you know and we just talked about how lonely the journey can be and all of that stuff and I told her about the video and I told her record yourself asking her questions like record yourself record your mom with her grandkids you know just don't even worry about pictures just take videos videos are what is going to be so much more valuable to you down the line and and so she has and she sends me some sometimes and um and she's so thankful for that advice because had i not given it to her i don't think she would have videos to look back on or you know her kids to look back on and and all of that stuff so that particular story was very powerful for me i just felt like i was helping and it was awesome
2: that's awesome you love people and you love to help So it, it's amazing. It's amazing you can do that and be a, a place, like to to provide sort of uh, a place of refuge for for those people who are lost and and don't know where to turn. And it's nice how you can use your tragedy um, to help someone else through their um, their grief and their their own trauma um, to not feel so alone. So good for you, and I'm glad you're you're opening up yourself to the world by doing the blog and. Hopefully, publishing that children's book and all the, all the other things that you're going to be doing. Um, but yeah, uh, just to talk about the children's book, you know, like you don't have to find a publisher; you can self-publish, and it's an easy way. And you can even just put it on on uh, Amazon Kindle, um, so it doesn't really have to. My, my husband wants me to do
0: that. He wants there you go, man.
2: There you go. Yeah. Well, it's it's the new thing right now, and it doesn't cost as much as if you have to print your own books and then try to sell them. It's like it's on there. It's a digital copy. There's no like cost to you other than putting it up. So it's an easy way, and it's a way to conquer your fear too. So uh, I look forward to reading that within the next year or so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I I know what it's like to be a little bit fearful when you're you have a project, you have something you've created, and and sometimes it can be a little bit tough to hear criticism and stuff about it. But trust me, you know the process is once you go through it. You're not even gonna think about it. You're gonna think it's silly that why you even did, why you even waited that long. So. I'm sure it'll be great.
0: Well, thank you guys. Maybe I'll get a little bit more confident to you after this. Well,
2: <laughs> no, that's that's why we're here, right? We're we love people too, and we love helping. So, <laughs> uh, so I want to go to now. Have you ever had any dreams of your father since he died?
0: I have. Um, one of the the first dreams I had was. He walked me down the aisle in the same church that his funeral was held in. And it's interesting because we eloped to Kauai, so he never walked me down the aisle. So for me, that dream was so monumental in my grief. I think it happened two or three months after he passed away. And so that dream was such a big deal for me. And I, you know, I truly believe that it it actually happened, that um, he did walk me down the aisle and. The whole time he was walking me down, we talked about heaven and how he was feeling and how he was doing and, and how happy he was and how at peace he was. And and so once we got to the end of the altar, I woke up. And so I don't remember anything after that. Or he actually kissed me on my cheek and then I woke up. And so it, was, it just gives me goosebumps still because it was so important for me, I feel like, that I needed it and it was just beautiful.
2: Wow. Wow. that's such a beautiful like image. Like that's like the, I yeah. think one, like one of the moments, if I was a father, one of the the moments, the best moments would be walking. And you're almost giving the, you know, like walking your daughter down the aisle and then giving her away sort of thing. Like that tradition, like there's something very significant about that. And for you to have that imagery, I think they're just so beautiful. And for him to talk about heaven, so like you knew he was dead, you know, he was telling you about heaven. That's so interesting
0: right yeah it yeah i totally knew he was he was dead and um i don't know it was just it was so crazy but it was so cool at the same time
1: yeah i i love that like that's it's creating a new memory it's creating and something now special that like a gift that you have moving forward you know like whether something is in a dream or, or almost reality like you think the, the brain brain processes are, are the same. You you've now stored it somewhere in your brain, you know. Um and now you can tap into that anytime. And it's like something as ritualistic and special like that as well because, you know, aspects of, you know, he you guys eloped. So you didn't you guys didn't get that opportunity to share that amazing special moment. But now you have in right. a- afterlife, you've got this memory now. You can hold on to it and get that feeling with any time. Just like like it really actually happened while he was alive. So that that's incredible to me. And that's exciting. That's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely is one of, you know, I feel like he actually did. And people I sometimes think I'm a little crazy for that, but I don't care because I know that it made me feel good. And, um, the, the
2: only other dream that I remember him in oh, hold on, is hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, oh, I want <laughs> so good. We can't just skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and your comment too, of, you know, people not allowing you to believe it was a visitation. I think, you know, it, it deserves some airtime because it, you know, some people aren't as courageous as you to say, no, it was, um, and they'll say maybe it wasn't. And then they'll trust their, um, the people around them or whatever. But I think it's amazing um, because it was so comforting to you that, you know, you could stand true to what you believe in and have that courage, as Sean was telling, uh, telling us about before. Um, but to have the courage to believe that it was and like, because that can bring so much comfort. Like, I'm listening to that. I'm like, wow, I'm like, that'd bring so much comfort to me if I had a dream similar to that, to see my, especially, and you saw him healthy, which is very unique because you saw him dying. Like, your last memory of him was dying. Like, he was, he probably yeah. looked like death. But in the dream, he was healthy and he was smiling. And, you know, like for someone who's, you're spiritual, for someone who's spiritual, like what more could you want? You know, as Sean was saying, as a memory to sort of realize that, you know, what you believe to be true about life after death is true. And, you know, that that would comfort me uh, hugely. Could you speak on like how that, you know, just how that helped you in your belief of the afterlife? And is also anyone else in your family believe you or is it, are you the only one that has this sort of belief about your dream
0: um so my sister and brother think i'm crazy my, i think my mom thinks i'm a little crazy too shout um, out to your family
1: but, <laughs> oh yeah it's <laughs> <That's> my line <laughs> i show people out uh,
0: it's so funny my husband my husband believes it and i you know, part of me is like, does he believe it because he believes it or does he believe it because it makes me feel good? So he wants me to feel good and he'll just agree to it. I don't know, but, um, you know, it, it was so comforting and I, it does give me a lot of comfort about the afterlife and seeing him again and being able to visit other people that I leave behind and give them that memory as well and stuff like that. So for me, it was just more of a solidifying reason to believe in it um, and believe wholeheartedly in it. Cause I thought, I think I always felt like it's 95% a thing. But after that dream, I was like, oh yeah, it's a hundred percent. Like I'm all in, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah.
1: You know, and I think we'll give your family a little bit of benefit of the doubt. We'll be too hard on them <laughs> because, you know, they didn't get that feeling you got right. Like, and I think the feelings, a key, key thing here is, you know, I've had a grief dream recently and the feeling is almost the main substance of it, because without the feeling, how important would that memory be? Right? Like it's just it's it's all a part of it. So right. hopefully they hopefully they Good can name. eventually have their own uh, grief dreams and get those feelings, because the number one thing people say, the one number one thing I you know what I've said is that the feeling makes it real. The feeling almost like it goes hand in hand with that aspect of it being a real memory. And and that's the key, I think, and and the importance of that. And, you know, again, like if hopefully they can get one to to feel that as well.
0: Yeah, it's totally all about the feeling. And yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to go off topic too much, but I have a psychic medium friend who I see and who makes me feel really good, you know, and my family thinks i'm crazy but at the same time i'm like she makes me feel good so you know why is that wrong even if what she's saying is totally wrong who cares because i feel so good about it and so i don't know yeah <laughs> That's funny.
2: well i think you know yeah we have a whole conversation about that but yeah i think the i think the the reason for the dream and seeing the medium are very similar you're trying to like i think recapture that feeling that, that bond with your father and you get lonely sometimes, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's sad, um, that one dream can't fulfill us for their whole life. You know, like, you know, we're just, as humans, we forget that feeling, the power of it. And we want another, when we're like sad or when we're feeling down or we're requesting our decisions or feeling guilty, like that dream isn't mm-hmm. coming into play anymore. We almost need a new dream to get us out of that. That's that, that funk. And I think that's you know one reason why a lot of people seek mediums is to try to get that feeling. To, to, to feel loved and to know that the deceased is, is watching out for them, but also is, you know, not judging them um, at all. So uh, it's cool. So I'm glad you had that dream. So what was your your next dream? Because you said you had another one.
0: Um. So my next dream, I was at Home Depot and I was walking down the aisles and my dad was with somebody like an employee was helping him pick out paint colors or something and as I was walking past him I kept thinking in my head just show me your face just show me your face I just want to see your face and he gl- he glanced over like a little bit so I saw half of his face and then he smiled and then he went back to picking out paint colors and then I woke up so that was the only other one
2: that's cool so how do you feel when you woke up from that one
0: like, I, it wasn't enough, you know? Like, can I go back to sleep? Can we do this dream over? Like, I'll run up to him next time, you know? So, it just wasn't enough for me. But I did, I was happy that I found because between those two dreams was probably a year. And so, it had been a long time. And so, it, it was enough, but not at the same time.
1: Did you have anything memorable after? After that, the last one?
2: The Home Depot dream? Um.
0: Not, not really, no.
2: That's interesting, yeah. I'm curious, why Home Depot? Was he a big fan of Home Depot? I know some guys are. They just love walking around the aisles.
0: No, no, he wasn't, which is what is so kind of weird about it. And even I, you know, I've only been in Home Depot probably 15 times my whole life, so it was a very random place to be. It was super random, but I don't know. It's crazy.
1: He was probably shocked. He's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) I was like, I thought I dropped you <laughs> off at that aisle, gave you a little kiss, and
2: I was on my way. That's wild. I think it's interesting, and uh, even the environment is very interesting. And to play around with that, it'd be uh, it'd be cool, um, just because it's not something you normally would do. So it's like, why is that the imagery at all the places? your dad could be buying paint, you know? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And so have you talked about dreams with your children? Have they ever experienced any dreams of the deceased?
0: Um, so they will, my oldest, she was the only one that really knew my dad really. And so, uh, she will wake up some mornings and say, Oh, I had a dream with Papa. We went and got ice cream or Uh, we went and did a cooking class and you know just stuff like that and I'm like is she just saying that or like did she actually have it because she's five you know so I don't know if she really understands what dreams are maybe she does I don't know but um but it's cool to hear about it and for her to just even if she is making it up make up a really cool story so um (laughs) yeah that's interesting
1: you You know that's something else you could record actually that'd be cool like I'm sure she'd be interested. Uh, when she's an adult, to watch that and be like, oh, yeah, I had that dream. That's crazy. <laughs> now that you're yeah, into recording and yeah. everything, I think you've started a movement here.
0: <laughs> I, <know. laughs> uh, but I do, But I do think that she, you know, probably does have dreams. I think 90% of me is like, yeah, I think that she actually did have a dream about him. So I think it's cool that she finds it interesting enough to tell me about it and stuff, which is the coolest part, I think.
2: Yeah. And children definitely have uh, dreams of the deceased. So I think, you know, who knows, but I know you probably get really excited when she's telling you about them, you know, like, because you're like, yes. oh, tell me
0: more. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> uh, I'm,
2: and, I, and you mentioned something um, about like your other children, like didn't really know him, but you know, I had a uh, individual who messaged me and her father died when she was in womb. And she has dreams of him all the time, um, which is wow. very interesting. So I would I would think as uh, Easton uh, continues to grow up, he'll probably have some dreams of his father.
0: Yeah, I uh, I definitely think that he will. It's interesting with him because he doesn't talk about his parents, which I don't I don't know if that's normal or anything. But he just kind of has accepted that this is his new family, and we have pictures of them hanging up in his room and stuff. But he just never asks about them, so maybe when he's older he will. But he just doesn't talk about them yet.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably was really confusing what was going on. I don't think he probably fully understands what happened. Right. You know, it's, it's a lot, right. you know, for a child. I'm guessing he was around two, right? Two or three. Yes.
0: But yeah. You know. so,
2: yeah, two. So I don't think he really <laughs> can conceive what was going on because they don't really have a concept of death yet, and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So. Yeah, when he's like five, six, six, be interesting to see how the conversation shifts and the questions he asks uh, to you. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Definitely. All right, so just uh, wrapping up, is there any uh, any advice you wanna give to anyone who's going through the grieving process right now that you wanna share?
0: I guess my biggest advice would be um, to not be so hard on yourself because everybody does grieve in their own way and what you're doing isn't wrong. And if you have children, I would suggest leaning on them. And if you find pennies on the ground, just, you know, say, oh, it's from so-and-so in heaven. And then they become more aware of it. And then that's kind of their connection to the other side as well. And so it becomes a really cool game every time you go somewhere and they find a penny. That's been very helpful in my grief journey. And um, having my kids just bring them up every day when they see a penny, you know, um so it's been very helpful for me and I know that it could be for other moms out there um but I guess just you know just don't be so hard on yourself because life is hard as it is you know you don't need to be hard on yourself for how you're grieving and and to just take it one day at a time and you know have your moments but just remember that you you have your moment but you have to you have to move forward as hard as it is you know you just have to get up off the floor and go make yourself a bagel if you need to, you know, you just have to do something, uh, keep yourself moving and, and all of that.
2: That's nice. And you know, so like, really, I like that. And the penny thing's interesting. because you hear that a lot. Um, and what it tells me is just like at that moment, you're remembering you're loved and that they're still, you know, watching out for you and stuff. And I think that's an amazing part. And if you're spiritual, it's beautiful. Um, to keep reminding that you are loved and that there is something more greater than all this. I think it's great because um, it helps your belief and it helps you regulate your emotions to do what you need to do in life. So what do you do? I'm just really curious. What do you do with all the money you find? Do you spend it or is it uh, in a jar somewhere?
0: It's in a jar. We keep it in a jar and it you know gets bigger every month and stuff. So it's cool to see you know how many times we've found it and my oldest will actually carry them around for a while. And I think for her, it's just she needs to be so close to it because she really, truly does believe that it is from her papa and she loves her papa so much. So she holds on to it for like two or three days before she actually gives it up, which is kind of crazy and, and beautiful in and the same time and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, she's definitely modeling after you. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: And so, what do you plan to spend the money on, since you're saving it all up?
0: You know, I haven't thought about that. I haven't. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I'll have to think about that.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think you. You know, you could maybe foster a dream, and the dream. You know, dream can tell you what to do with it. Oh, I got
2: something. Yeah. Buy some paint at Home Depot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Paint a mural, uh, mur- mural of your father. You know,
2: um, but no, you know,
1: I like, I like, um, I like the things you're talking about and the advice you're, you know, giving out to the listeners and other people who have had that, have gone through experiences that are similar, um, gone through death. You know, everybody goes through uh, t- types of that because I think it's a really it's it's a a great way to look at it it's a positive way to look at it you know even the video when you video doing a video of your father you know when he's close to passing a lot of people might not you know feel like that's a something that they want to do but i think it's a positive thing that can really uh help reconnect that and and keep that bond going I, you know there's there shouldn't be hopefully there's no there shouldn't be any stigma around remembering you know, it's okay to remember, it's okay to kind of bring that person into your life and to have those positive thoughts, whether it's pennies or videos and stuff like that. And um, I think that's moving forward, that'll also help out your children in the future, develop healthy aspects towards uh, death and dying.
0: Definitely. All of what you just said, definitely.
1: All right. So we'd like to wrap up our program with uh, one final question. And that question is, if you could have a dream tonight of your father, what kind of dream would you want to have?
0: I would have a dream where all of us are sitting around a table and my husband is there, my dad's there, his wife is there, and we're all just talking and, you know, asking the hard questions that I don't have the answers to and him explaining all of them to me, and our children running around in the background, and, you know, future children that maybe we'll have one day, who knows, but just, you know, because my husband and my dad never talked about Ethan coming to live with us, and so that's another thing that I regret is, you know, them not having that conversation. It was all just from me, and me making the decisions, and my husband just being super supportive on the flip side, but so, you know, my dad and my husband talking about all of it and you know all of that stuff so just those conversations are what i would love to have a dream about
2: wow that's interesting it's beautiful and and hopefully you get a dream like that um where you can get those answers uh that you that you seek uh, sooner or later
0: where, definitely
2: uh, where would it be i know you
1: said table but would it be at your home or more like a maybe like a backyard barbecue type scenario
0: Um, probably my childhood house that we built when I was in kindergarten. So, on the patio, at a big table, kids in the backyard playing.
1: I like it. Summer? What's that? Are we doing summer, maybe fall, early spring?
0: Definitely summer. All right. Definitely summer.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, last question, Uh, what are you guys wearing? You're just casual.
0: Yeah, you know, my dad always wore, like, The shirt, it's funny, is that they're shirts from um, American Eagle. They have like two buttons and he used to have like all the different colors. So just one of those shirts, probably a blue one. And I would just be wearing, you know, a simple dress. And my husband would just be wearing shorts and maybe a button-up short sleeve shirt. And yeah.
1: I like that. It's, you know, it's a very relaxing family fun time and you can have a little more in-depth conversation that you didn't have a chance to when you know he was close to dying and and uh, for whatever reason you know it just didn't come out but you know now uh, what seems to be true is that you know people definitely change after death and and you'll you even see a little bit of a difference and and maybe now is the opportunity where you can have those type of conversations so I hope you definitely have uh, something similar to that
0: yeah definitely it's you know this podcast and just everything in the last couple of months i think has just been very healing and eye-opening and you know making me figure out you know what what i believe and you know how i handle things and just you know becoming a better person because of all of it
2: well molly i uh i loved the conversation with you and you being so open and honest it's it's one of the You know the most special qualities I see in in humans when they do do it, uh, just because you don't. It's it's so refreshing. I don't see it like that often. So you know, good for (laughs) you doing that, and good for you having the courage to figure out what you want to believe on your own, despite what your family believes. I think that's an amazing. I say like a lot of people just go with their family and they try to fit in, but you're you're doing your own thing and you're trying to find your own way, and I think that's amazing. And you got to give yourself credit for that. I don't think you're crazy, so you know, like, (laughs) so keep believing what you're believing. It seems to be helping you. And I don't see any problems with what your beliefs are. You know, there are some people that their beliefs would cause some negativity in their lives, but your belief so far is, I don't see any issues with it, you know, and you've had your dreams and you had your confirmations. I think that's great. And you're teaching your kids a certain way of, of loving. And if it opens your heart to love, you know, like, how can it be bad? So, keep you know keep doing your thing keep opening your heart to people and and others around you and hopefully um we get to see that book coming out soon
0: <laughs> thank you guys i really appreciate that and all of the encouragement for that and and everything it was so fun talking to you and you guys have you know opened my eyes a little bit to other things and i love it and so yeah it was it was awesome thank you for having me on
1: oh our pleasure and again you know thanks for being brave and and you've shown courage and bravery throughout your whole story. And again, you just did it again to come on today and talk about these things. And hopefully again, I've gotten something out of it and hopefully a lot of listeners will get something out of it too. So you're at tried and true mama on Instagram and Facebook, uh, which is WWO and Facebook. And then your website is www.triedandtruemama.com. Is there anywhere else where you'd like to uh, tell us about or tell listeners about?
0: Nope. Those are the the three places that I'm most active is on the Instagram, the Facebook, and then my website.
2: And does the blog come out like every month? Is there, what, what's the timetable for that?
0: Um, it's usually about twice a week, maybe three times a week. Um, there's a you know a lot of different topics that I talk about. I talk about grief. I talk about kids. I talk about my dad. Um, so there's a whole bunch of different things. Uh, That I that I write about but they all have their own little categories on my website and stuff. So it's it's interesting. (laughs) It's cool
2: Keep doing it. Have you uh, wrote about the dream you had or the dreams you've had with your father?
0: I Haven't yet, you know, I it wasn't something that I really thought about until I ran across your guys's podcast And then I was like, oh wow. Yeah, you know, that is a big deal. It was a big deal for me and so um yeah i just didn't even really think about it as a topic to talk about or write about until i saw your guys's podcast
2: yeah it's the reason why we're doing it is to raise awareness and the reason why i'm doing the research is to raise awareness that these dreams do exist and people aren't crazy for their beliefs (laughs) on them and so it just it just helps right and that's what you're trying to do is normalize the experience for others that are going through it um so if you decide to do that uh let us know and we'll share it on our platform too to give you some more awareness also
0: awesome thank you guys i appreciate
1: that all right thank you molly Uh, we'll talk about our stuff so you can check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information if you have facebook you can join the uh, grief dreams facebook group check us out on instagram and twitter at grief dreams and you can find the podcast on itunes podbean stitcher overcast uh, now available on youtube so you can check out our youtube channel just uh, type in grief dreams podcast um and instagram tv you know we got a couple of videos up in there check them out um yeah and if you're interested in being guest on our podcast please email us your story and what you would like to share uh grief podcast at gmail.com uh so with love and gratitude from us to you